You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Jumpert. All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined to my left by Ryan Shumpert. Today is Tuesday, November 1st. We hope you're doing well out there. It is a beautiful day here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And man, we got a lot to talk about on the menu today. Today's show is going to be a little bit of a two-parter. First part of the show today, going to be previewing the Tennessee-Georgia game that's coming up this Saturday. Arguably, I don't actually... I don't even know if it's arguable. I think this is the biggest college football game this regular season, no doubt about it. And then on the back half of the show today, we will be coming to you with a little bit of Tennessee basketball conversation. Ryan was in Frisco, Texas for that game against Gonzaga, so we will break that down. We'll break down Tennessee's 20-point win in that game and what that means for Tennessee basketball moving into the regular season here starting soon. Ryan, good afternoon, my friend. What's going on? How are you? Oh, not much. Doing well. It's hard not to be doing well when you have a week as busy as this week, as we got basketball season right around the horn and a football game that takes precedent, precedent, precedence, 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 precedence. There we go. Yeah, I was I was rambling on around. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't quite find it. Thanks for helping me. Yeah, uh, over anything. And like you said, it's the it's the biggest game in the regular season in college football all season. I would say probably the biggest game since you know Joe Burrow went down to Tuscaloosa in 2019, and even then I'd say it's just as big as that game. I mean, it's similar. It's not any smaller than that game was. So tons to get to and a lot of really exciting times around the Tennessee Athletics Universe. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we will certainly get into that. We will get you a full preview for the show today. Again, we are rolling into a new month here in the RTI Press Pass. It is officially November, which like Ryan said a second ago, and that means there's a lot of basketball and football that is on the menu for you. Ryan, let me go back one day, though. Did you have a good Halloween? Happy Halloween. I did have a happy Halloween, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not the most uh Did you dress person. up as a detective? Because we talked about that a little bit last week, right, with the long-stemmed pipe. Yeah, no, I did not, but I uh, had uh, had one uh, one big set of about eight trick-or-treaters at the, at the house uh, in West Knoxville, so cool. passed out some... Snickers and Reese's, and then housed a lot of Snickers and Reese's that weren't taken uh, later in the night. All right, just real, real quick. Top three candy. Reese's one, Twix two, Snickers three. Uh, those are all peanut butter items, right? Uh, no peanut butter. Only peanut butter and Reese's. Oh. Okay. Caramel and Twix. That's right. And then that's caramel right. and the nougat and the peanut. You get everything in the Snickers. I'm one of those guys. Uh, I, I, I got to admit, I'm, a, I'm an allergic to peanuts kind of guy. Uh, so I've never had yeah. any of the any of the Snickers. Like I, I actually don't even venture too much out from just like the Hershey's bar. You know? Yeah, I, I didn't that. really think about it. That was a bad call. I, only thing I had was peanut items at my house. So if I got a trick or treater that was allergic oh, to peanuts. They you I got to be sensitive to that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Well, well, we'll try to be better next year. Luckily, it wasn't a problem. I got to say, I already bought some 50% off uh, $100,000 bars. Uh, okay. those, those, are, those are special. And those are hard to get at Halloween. I mean, kids don't usually get those. So <laughs> yeah. I, I went through my daughter's bag last night. And, Very nice. And she's got dairy allergies, so she can't eat the chocolate. So she wants all the Skittles and the sure. Twizzlers and all that. So it was a good night. Is that, that a pretty good, is that a pretty good role, kind of being the, the candy uh, 
what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like you get to you get to pick all the leftovers, right? Is that is that a pretty good role for a parent? Not bad. She <laughs> she did a lot of trading though ahead of time. She, you know, oh, yeah, she's smart. She, she traded all the full size bars for you know candy that she can eat, and it's like. Hey, come on, you know what? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Leave some for pops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't need it, but anyway, I digress. Well, hey, happy Halloween to everybody out there, and we are now moving into uh, Thanksgiving. That'll be at the end of the month, coming up too. But man, we got a lot to get to until then. A lot of football to be played, starting with this Saturday. We're gonna have number two Tennessee versus number one Georgia. And before we get into the game, Ryan, I want to talk about something going on tonight. Now, I think a good amount of people will be listening to this podcast after. Uh, the selection show comes out tonight, so we won't spend but a but a minute or two on it. But do you have any kind of feelings or, or even think have any kind of thoughts about how this first playoff projection, first playoff ranking, excuse me, is going to play out tonight? I do. It's what you know. It's what I wrote about after the game on Saturday night, and that's that I think that Tennessee's going to be the number one team in the country in these rankings. I think it's not all resume, but it, it leans pretty heavy in the resume. And when you look at it that way, I think. Tennessee is clearly has the best re- resume in the country, and I don't think the eye test or whatever else you could go by is Tennessee's eye test is pretty darn good too. Uh, I don't even really think Ohio State's eye test is better. You know, Georgia's maybe a little bit better with that really impressive blowout win they had over Oregon, but not by much, not enough to make up for the difference in the resume. So I think Tennessee will be number one. As I wrote about, as we talked about, I think, on Saturday night in our podcast, that doesn't mean a whole lot because whoever wins Saturday in Athens will be number one in probably the rest of the regular season as long as they don't slip up. And then kind of outside uh, you know, outside the Tennessee gaze, I would almost say just in general, generally speaking, I'm more interested to see how they have – the kind of the TCU, Michigan, Clemson, kind of how, yeah. how does that all, all fall down because uh, we know Tennessee is kind of in the top of the group, but there's still you know six or seven teams right now uh, who are – right in the hunt to win a national championship and have put themselves in a position, really more than that if you want to go out in the Pac-12, because I think UCLA and USC uh, still, and Oregon as well, still have a chance to make the playoff if they went out. But those two, all three of those teams already having losses, I think they'll probably be a little bit lower in this initial in this initial ranking. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do think that Tennessee is going to make a very strong case to be the number one team in the playoff rankings. But like you said, you know, it – Ultimately, this week is just kind of for show, for kicks and grins. Next week is going to be the uh, next week is going to be the telltale uh, um, rankings that comes out because obviously that is going to be after this Tennessee Georgia game. Now, looking at Tennessee though, a, a win or a loss still certainly keeps Tennessee in this playoff picture. Though, according to uh, this, this stat was on ESPN's Get Up this morning, uh, Tuesday morning. So, if a Tennessee if Tennessee wins. The Vols would have an 80% chance to reach the playoff. Uh, Georgia with a 41% chance to reach the playoff. Now, if Tennessee loses and Georgia wins, then Georgia is bumped up to the 80% chance. Meanwhile, Tennessee still has a 53% chance. So either way, with a win or a loss, you know, obviously I, I think the people who are people who are following this program right now, right, they don't want this this run to end. They certainly want to go down and, and get that win against Georgia. But at the end of the day, man, a, a win or a loss, you're still, according to ESPN, above that 50% uh, 50% threshold to make the playoffs. And it makes sense from the Tennessee perspective because they have the statement win over Alabama. And that's Georgia doesn't have that. I mean, he is. Uh, well, has as Oregon has played really since that opener, it's still not the same caliber of win as Tennessee beating Alabama is. So that makes sense. It's you know it'll be plenty of time to talk about it after this weekend if Tennessee loses, but it, that will be a fascinating case between the Pac-12 if TCU can keep on uh, staying upright in the Big 12, and then also with Michigan who's 
or to lose it really at a Michigan Ohio State game, which I sit here and say I think will be Michigan here at the start of the month. But we'll see. You know, all those teams are gonna have a chance and to make it, and it'll be really interesting no matter who loses this game to see what the path is the rest of the way. But one thing I do know for sure, uh, and it's kind of the, the irony of it or the funny part of it. You know, if Alabama does what they're expected to do, and that's beat LSU and Ole Miss and make it to the SEC championship, which is not a given when you have two uh, tough games like that. Sure. But if they do that, it's kind of the irony of this is whoever loses on Saturday is going to be rooting for the other one big time in the SEC championship because if Tennessee wins, Georgia's desperately going to need Tennessee to beat Alabama. And if Georgia wins this weekend, Tennessee's desperately going to need Georgia to beat Alabama if they want to make the playoffs. So it's uh, it's – you see it occasionally every couple of years. I mean, Joe Burrow and LSU uh, were the last example, but it's really been for the last half decade a two-man race uh, in this in the SEC uh, between Alabama and Georgia. And when you have a third team thrown in there, it makes it yeah. really fascinating in November for the playoff committee. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so a little bit of the tail of the tape for Saturday coming up. Number two, Tennessee at number one, Georgia. Both teams undefeated at 8-0. Georgia, though, has one more win in SEC play. Line right now. It's moved down a little bit, I think. According to ESPN right here, line is at Georgia minus 8.5, which I feel like it kind of started maybe in that 10 or 11, at least that double-digit point range. So that's kind of fascinating to look forward. Uh, Tennessee has a plus 240 money line odds. Uh, Georgia's offense scoring 41.8 points per game. Georgia's defense allowing 10.5. On the flip side, Tennessee's offense is putting up 49.4 and allowing 21.0. Ryan, we've talked about a lot of different games throughout this season so far where Tennessee has gone up against teams where, you know, their strength is matched up against the opposing strength. We've also seen some where, where Tennessee's strength has gone up against the opposing uh, team's weakness as well. This certainly will be a, a tale of strength on strength with Tennessee's offense and Georgia's defense. Kind of just starting there, how, how do you see that matchup uh, uh, playing out this Saturday? Do I have permission to go back and go on a little bit of a tangent? Yes, you, you do. You, you talked about the line, and you're right, it has... Really, when it, last week the early line was out, it was like 12 or 13, and I think it opened at 9 on Circus Sports, uh, which has gone down about a point. I don't get it. I don't get the disrespect that Vegas has showed all year to this Tennessee team. Well, I maybe got it earlier in the year, but I don't get it now. I don't get how they haven't caught up. Tennessee is 7-1 against the spread this year. They have covered almost all those spreads by multiple possessions. It hasn't been close. It's been over 10 points uh, against the spread. And heck, the game they lost to Florida, if the defense hadn't gotten so lax- lackadaisical, Tennessee was up by three touchdowns, or two touchdowns, I guess it was, you know, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, no, it was three touchdowns early in the fourth quarter yeah. uh, before, you know, they took their foot off the gas. And, you know, obviously all that, I'm not saying all that stuff doesn't matter because it does. But I just I just don't understand uh, the disrespect from t- for Tennessee. They... Beat Alabama when they opened as nine-point nine underdogs. Now they open as nine-point underdogs against Georgia. We'll see what happens on Saturday. But, man, I'm not much of, a, much of a gambler, but I would bet Tennessee. I think this is going to be a really close game. I don't understand why Vegas hasn't caught up uh, to what Tennessee does offensively, to a Tennessee defense that I think has really quietly gotten a lot better as the season has gone on. And I think – the keep if you're if you're a guy that likes to bet, keep riding the wave because I don't I just keep on thinking Las Vegas is going to catch up to Tennessee and these lines are going to start making more sense to me. They don't. I don't think they respect Tennessee's offense near enough. I saw the over under for Tennessee uh, total points in this game is like 27. To me, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Georgia's got a darn good defense, the best Tennessee's seen all year. But we heard the same same talk about how Alabama and Kentucky's defense is going to be the difference, and Tennessee put up 50 and 44 in those two games. So, like I said, that's a tangent. That's me just being befuddled by 
uh, really the lack of respect Vegas has showed Tennessee all year, and Tennessee keeps on giving people who bet on them uh, a lot of free money. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I, I think you're right. I, I think you you really laid that out in a really great way to follow, but it makes all the sense in the world. I, I think you have seen Tennessee's continued improvement throughout the year, and you have uh, your your stat right there with just the seven and one against the spread. I, I think is eye opening enough. To, uh, to maybe have that factor into your decision coming up this weekend. If you are so choosing to uh, to be a gambler, I, I'm not myself, but uh, you know the way that Ryan put that right there, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And you go to the last three SEC games, the Alabama game in which Tennessee was nine-point underdogs, thinking maybe even ended up being double-digit by kickoff when Bryce Young was going to play. Tennessee covered that point spread by 12 points, and the last month, that's the closest game they've had to the spread. They destroyed the spread against Kentucky. They destroyed the spread against LSU. The spread hasn't even been competitive in these games. And like I said, I keep on expecting uh, Vegas to catch up to it. And man, they're very, they're really smart. They're smarter than me. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I'm a little confused. Yeah, I get that. I, I get that. And we'll, we'll definitely see how that works out this weekend and then how that continues to, uh, to happen going forward and see if you are still on track with that. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get to the game uh, again. Kind of kind of leading off with Tennessee's offense versus Georgia's defense. We know that those are two, the two strengths of both teams. We know that Tennessee's got the best offense in the country, and we know that man Georgia has had a uh, you know what, what seems like an NFL caliber defense time and time again. Ryan, what where where is an where is a place in this game? specifically regarding Tennessee's offense, where you think that they do kind of have the advantage when Georgia's defense is also on the field? I think it's Tennessee's receivers, just because that's the advantage every game, you know, basically Tennessee's passing attack. And Georgia has, I think, the best defensive backroom Tennessee's seen this year. Like I said, it's the best defense they'll see all year. Uh, Keely Ringo, I think, is probably the best corner in the entire conference. Uh, but still, Tennessee's offense is going to create opportunities uh, for their players to win one-on-ones, and they've won them time and time again this season. So uh, I think Tennessee will have success, you know, to what degree in the passing game, I'm not sure. I don't think it'll be as much success as they had against Alabama when uh, they were consistently able to get the safeties and uh, uh, number two specifically matched up on Jalen Hyatt, and Tennessee really took advantage. But I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Tennessee there. And again, it's a Georgia pass rush that has really been quiet for a lot of the year. And they are last in the SEC with just 10 sacks. Now, sacks aren't the only thing that matters when it comes to pass rush. They don't have the worst pass rush in the SEC. I'm not trying to suggest that they do. But uh, it's taken a step back after uh, last year. And as you'd expect, they lost about their whole defense aligned to the NFL in the, yeah. fir- in the first round, including uh, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. So uh, I think that's going to be – Tennessee's passing game is where there's going to be opportunities there uh, throughout the afternoon, and especially when we talk about the pass rushers, uh, Nolan Smith, who leads Georgia with three sacks on the season, out for the year with a torn peck. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get into that. That's been some of the big news this week. I, I-, I do think that that is a – that obviously hurts the Georgia defense. Now we know that they're they're very talented, especially their depth is talented as well, so they're going to be able to uh, to fill in that spot with, with a talented player. But, you know, you look at some of the top guys who have been producing for, for Georgia. He's obviously leading them uh, in sacks with three. He's got seven tackles for loss and 16 quarterbacks hurries. This is – Good for Tennessee, especially considering that Hendon Hooker is going to be uh, obviously one of the most important puzzle pieces to this entire game. I think as everybody uh, and their grandmother knows going into it. Ryan, I want to go back, though, and talk about something that you just said regarding Tennessee's receivers. Last week was the first week that Cedric Tillman returned to the field for Tennessee, and I think you really saw kind of how he affected to the uh, how he affected the game. Only came down to two reception or excuse me, four receptions for 22 yards. 
And I actually think that two of those receptions were back-to-back during the first drive of the game before Jalen Hyatt's uh, long touchdown reception on the sideline. So Cedric Tillman maybe didn't get as much um, – Maybe didn't get as much time on the field as maybe he would have liked to, but Coach Heupel said, hey, they were keeping him on a little bit of a pitch count. Just having him on the field, though, I felt like was a was a big advantage for Tennessee. You look at Jalen Hyatt's first touchdown catch where he is running down the sideline, does not have anybody even in the same zip code as him. You look who was right next to him on that split there on the sideline, and it was Cedric Tillman. When Tillman ran up, he immediately cuts to the left pretty much to basically run a post. He takes the safety and that corner with him, just essentially leaving a linebacker, I believe it was, on Jalen Hyatt. That's how focused that Kentucky was on Cedric Tillman, even just, I mean, what was that, like the fourth play of the game. So before they even knew that he was fifth play before they even knew that he was going to be back or, or going to be uh you know productive for Tennessee right when he came on the field Kentucky said we got to lock in on that guy they did and that opened up space for Jalen Hyatt I, I think that he is only going to add to this Tennessee offense just in multiple different ways in terms of scheme and fit in terms of formation in terms of how the defense has to approach Tennessee's offense pre-snap and then again I, I think he's obviously you know we, we know that he's an, an All-American preseason wide receiver. We know that he's been back on the field for Tennessee over the last couple of weeks at practice, kind of getting his legs back under him. I, I, I do think that he's going to be a gigantic addition for this Tennessee team coming up this weekend. I, I think you're exactly right. and You hit a nail on the head on really both of Jalen Hyatt's touchdowns were the same way. I mean, they were, they were busted coverage by Kentucky, but they were in part busted coverage because Kentucky was paying so much attention to Cedric Tillman on the two plays. And, uh, Jalen Hyatt said as much uh, after the game that he thought Cedric Tillman yep. uh, kind of loosened up their defense. And, and then he said as much today and talking to the media on Tuesday about how you can scheme and you can really try to take away one receiver, but you can't do that to multiple guys. And, and to have add Tillman back to a room with Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt, I think it just makes Tennessee's offense all the more dangerous because you can't uh, do everything in your power just to stop one of those guys because the other one's going to beat you if you do. So it's what makes Tennessee's offense so dangerous in a lot of ways, and especially like you like you said on those plays, you know, Jalen Hyatt's a slot receiver. To put him over there in those, uh, in those I guess, bunches wouldn't be the right word, but stacks, uh, uh, it, it forces a lot of problems uh, to try to take away that side of the field when you have those two guys lining up beside each other. Yeah. Another thing that I'll be looking at uh, on Sunday is Tennessee's improved offensive line play. I-, I think that is going to be a big factor in this game coming up simply because, look, we know how much Tennessee revolves around a balanced offensive set. We, we know that they love both the run and the pass. Heck, they ran it uh, against Kentucky. They ran the ball 40 times and they passed it just 25 times. Certainly a more of an emphasis on the rushing game. And-, and it made sense because Jabari Small and maybe more in particular Jalen Wright just they had they had great games with the ball in their hands, not not turning it over, finding a couple touchdowns from Fant and Wright, and even Hooker took one in himself. I, I think that I think you've seen more and more throughout the season just how important that running game is and how much it sets up the pass game. But I also think from a defensive perspective, man, it's got to keep the defense honest. They know that Tennessee is going to want to unlock those deep passes down the field. But if you if you drop your defense back, if you drop that secondary back, Tennessee's just going to run it up the middle. They're going to run it with Jalen Wright. They're going to run it with Small. And they're going to run it with Hooker himself. It is a it is an offense that you have to show balance for on the defensive side of the ball. I think the running game is going to be important in this game. It is, and you go look at that Tennessee's second scoring drive. I guess it was his third drive of the game against Kentucky. Kentucky put two safeties. They played them deep. They dared Tennessee to run the ball and dared Tennessee to be patient and. Not uh, start getting 
what's the word I'm looking for? Tired of running the ball, essentially. Sure. Uh, in Tennessee, remain. they ran it 13 times on a 15-play drive and scored a touchdown. I mean, they have the capability of doing that. Now, more than we've talked all all podcasts about how this is the best defense Georgia's seen, and, or Tennessee's played this year, Georgia is, and I downplayed it a little bit from the fact that we've heard, you know, Alabama was the greatest test they'd face, and Alabama and Kentucky both have really good defenses. I do think running the ball, uh, that's going to be harder. Uh, Georgia's run defense year in and year out is really, really good, and it's not as good as it was last year when it was probably one of the best in the last 20 years of college football uh, against a run. But it's still really good. It's ranked first in the SEC ahead of Tennessee, who ranks second. And I think that's going to be one of the big themes of the game. Who can run the ball better? Who can control the line of scrimmage and open it for Tennessee uh, to open up looks to take deep shots to Tillman and to Hyatt and then for Georgia to kind of loosen up Tennessee's defense and find the tight ends, Brock Bowers, and uh, obviously Darnell Washington, two dynamic threats. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned a couple things that I will be looking at in this game. What about you, though, Ryan? What's something that you'll be looking at? I think it really is the run game is, to me, for Tennessee's offense, is the biggest thing that I'm going to be curious to see. Because if Tennessee if Tennessee runs the ball the way they have against good teams this year, or even close to it, you know, if they run the ball for 130 yards in this game, or maybe even over 100 yards in this game, that's not going to jump out the stat sheet at you, but I think that does so much to open up Tennessee's offense. And again, I think it's the, it's the toughest run defense they've faced all year, so I'll be l- watching their special teams. Uh, I, Chase McGrath has really just been a little bit shaky uh, the last couple weeks. I mean, you even obviously there is never there's never any uh, complaining about a game a game winning kick, but obviously that game he missed an extra point. He that kick was not the prettiest uh, that got in, and then we've seen him miss. Uh, kicks against UT Martin, and then really didn't have a very good get game uh, against Kentucky. So I think that's going to be important uh, because, again, I think in the red zone, uh, this is going to be the hardest team Tennessee's had to score on. So uh, I think that that's going to be really interesting. And then you go uh, just in the punting game and, and the kickoff game, too, of Paxton Brooks. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be very, very fascinating and, and very important uh, for Tennessee to win the special teams battle. Yeah. Another thing I think going into this game, you know, we've seen Tennessee be successful on the road before. We've we saw them uh, saw them play well in Pittsburgh. That was a pretty rowdy environment. Certainly a second game of the year. Then more importantly, I think we saw them go down to LSU. Now that was an eleven o'clock game. Uh, I think Death Valley probably wasn't as rowdy as they would have been a little bit later on in the day, or, or at least uh, you know maybe even now at this point in the season. But I, I do. I, I feel good about Tennessee going to accept a, a road challenge, and I know that it's going to be a challenge. I, I think that Tennessee does feed off the home crowd considerably. Uh, inside of Neyland Stadium because it would be impossible not to. Uh, I think that you know when it comes to playing on the road, man, you just have to be that much more detail-oriented. You have to be that much more focused and locked in. Your communication has to be good. Not only... You know, not only are you playing on the road in a hostile environment, but you're playing against a team that will capitalize on the mistakes that you make in the number one team in the country. So I think for Tennessee, playing on the road, just staying detail-oriented, staying focused, staying with that communication. But those aren't necessarily things that I, I, I worry about, just because we know we know Tennessee's preparation throughout the week. I think that's been one of the biggest things that I've picked up on this season that's not just coach speak. I, I think Tennessee probably prepares as good, if not better, than anybody in the country from you know, the coaches down to the quarterback and everybody else. I, I think as long as you stay stay true to your game, as long as you can communicate, you can kind of I, – I don't – obviously I worry about, you know, the, the away game, but I, I think that it's manageable for Tennessee, or at least I, I'm interested to see how manageable it turns out to be. You're right, and I, I, I do think the way Tennessee's tempo 
can make it a little bit easier uh, on the road at times. And now, granted, they slow it down on third downs, and the crowd's going to be really loud, and you got to have your communication. You can't have guys uh, the same problems any other offense would have. Sure. They still present it. For, Present itself, but I do think it's minimized uh, a little bit. It was that one play against Kentucky, and I'm sure it happened more than one play, but I'm only thinking about once. When it was, it was the third down, Hendon Hooker, I mean, while he was on the ground, the rest of the guys were getting lined up, Hooker goes right back, doesn't even look like he, obviously he probably did, but it didn't even look like he said a word to the rest of the guys, they just knew where to go, boom, they pick up that fourth, fourth and one, yeah. QB sneak. Kentucky wasn't even Kentucky, set up. Kentucky yeah. wasn't ready for that play or the next play, they weren't ready for the first down play either yeah. after that, so I, I think those are certainly the times where where you know, figure out how to do that on the road because that's your game plan. That's what works for you. It, you know, it's not going to be a perfect crowd or, or perfect crowd environment, but you got to figure out how to make those those types of uh, communication still effective. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it will be interesting to see, and it's you know, since you play some road games this year, but you know, Pittsburgh, yeah, it's, it's ACC. Uh, yeah. Wasn't even a full crowd there, and Tennessee brought a, brought a lot of people. LSU, Tennessee took the crowd right out of that game from the jump. This is going to be the first, you know, true big time, big time road test. And you know, the environment, yeah, it might not be quite what you know the Tennessee Alabama game was, but the Tennessee Alabama, Tennessee Florida game, that type of environment inside Neyland Stadium, that's going to be similar to what Tennessee is going to see on Saturday, and they really haven't to this point in the season. Any other final thoughts on this preview for the game? Uh, no, not not really. Uh, again, okay. I. I look at the tight ends and nobody. Ah, Bowers, great. Yeah, nobody has truly can match up against those guys. But particularly Tennessee's linebackers aren't very good in pass coverage. I'll be curious to see uh, how they how they match up against them. And uh, again, I would think almost every third down that that's especially third and intermediate. That's where Georgia's going to want to go. What what does Tennessee try to do to kind of limit limit those two guys and uh, especially Bowers? And I, I keep finding things to talk about now, so I'll try to make this quick. But that that reminds me, you know, I, I think that. It was interesting watching Stetson Bennett last week. I believe he he ended the uh, game with two touchdowns and two interceptions. We've seen Tennessee secondary really start Leads to come the SEC into their and own. Interceptions. Yeah, we, yeah, we've seen Tennessee secondary really start to come into their own over the last couple of weeks, uh, led by Nico Slaughter last week, who, who was just playing with his absolute hair on fire out there, dropped the, one of the biggest hits I've ever seen with the hit stick. I, I'm really interested to see how Tennessee's secondary. Uh, plays with Stetson Bennett. I, I think that'll be fascinating to watch. I think that Tennessee will continue to send blitz, uh, send blitzes, send pressure, make Stetson Bennett uncomfortable. I think that's where you can get him off his game. Uh, but then again, just seeing how the secondary adapts to it, seeing how you know Stetson Bennett, if Stetson Bennett can win this game for Georgia uh, and, and really put some points on the board to outscore Tennessee with that Tennessee secondary that's been playing improved. So certainly something I'll be looking at. I know we've talked a lot about offense, defense, yeah. but there are a lot of big storylines on the other side of the ball as well. No, you're right. There, there really are. And again, it's I kind of talked about it uh, post-game on Saturday that this Tennessee defense is just quietly playing better, and I think it gets overshadowed by Alabama scoring 49 points, even though seven of those points were defensive touchdowns. But in that game, I even thought, it wasn't like the Florida game, where Florida scored a lot on Tennessee, and it's like, man, this Tennessee defense is, they yeah. just look terrible. And Bryce Young made a lot of really good plays in that game. And Tennessee's defense wasn't perfect. I'm not trying to say they were in that game. But I think they that defense has played a lot better this season than a lot of people nationally or regionally might, might expect. Coming up this Saturday in Athens, Georgia, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, number two Tennessee, number one Georgia. We will be there in Athens. We will have that whole game for you. Breaking it down over on RockyTopInsider.com and RockyTopInsider on Twitter. Otherwise, we told you that part two is going to be a little basketball talk. Let's go ahead and get into that right about now. We'll be right back. 
And now, back to the show. Tennessee basketball played in Frisco, Texas last Friday night in an exhibition game against, what is it, number two, Gonzaga? Yeah, and they people at least. And they smoked them. They did. I mean, it was a uh, it was basically the appetizer to Tennessee, Kentucky as well. You, you saw maybe a little yeah. bit of, little bit of back and forth in the first half, and then just an absolute beatdown from Tennessee in the second half. Tennessee defeats, uh, I believe it's number ten, number eleven, Tennessee defeated number two Gonzaga by a score of ninety nine to eighty. Again, that was in Frisco, very rainy Frisco, Texas, right? Very rainy. Yeah, that, that felt sucks. like I was in Kentucky. Didn't yeah. see the sun. <laughs> that makes sense. So, Ryan, you were there. Obviously got to see everything close up with your own eyes. What, what stood out the most to you from Tennessee's 99-80 to victory over Gonzaga? There was a lot. I think the, you know Rick Barnes has talked about them wanting to play faster, but that's something, as long as I've been covering the team, which goes back to, uh, I guess, the 2019-2020 season that ended up ending in the COVID season. That's always something Barnes talks about. We want to play fast. We want to play fast. And Tennessee doesn't really play fast. They don't play slow, but it's very middle of the pack in the nation. They played really fast, and offensively they were really, really good. And I think any discussion of the game really has to start with Tyreek Key, what he did scoring 27 points on some extremely efficient shooting. Excuse me, 26 points on 8 of 12 shooting from the field, 4 of 7 from three-point range. He hit, Knocked down his free throws, 6 of 7. Yeah, knocked down his free throws. He, uh, he hit back-to-back threes at one point there in the first half, and really he hit three threes in a pretty short time time span. And I'll have a story on it later this week, but you know, going back to SEC media days, I think we even talked about it or after Tennessee's in-house media day. I think we even talked about it on the podcast. You know, I, t- I asked Tennessee's assistant coaches, Rod Clark and, and Justin Ganey, what's this, what does Tyreek Key bring this team? And what they both said uh, in uncertain terms was he can score the basketball. And uh, Clark especially talked about, you know, last year we had so many scoring droughts and we just, Kennedy, and he didn't say this specifically, but he said, you know, Kennedy is a, a really good player, but we didn't have a guy we could just throw the ball to and get a basket. And we feel like Tyreek's that type of guy. And it's easy to see because he is a really good shooter. He's very, very strong. I mean, he's looks like a guy that spent four years in a college weight room, yeah. uh, essentially, and, which is what he is. Yeah, and he could score with his back-to-basket in the mid-range and then uh, score pretty well at the basket on cuts and such, too. So he was really, really impressive. I think that's where, where any conversation would have to start. Yeah, I think one of the other fascinating things about the game is that, yes, you did have Tennessee kind of explode out to the second-half uh, uh, dominating victory. Tennessee scores 49 in the second half compared to Gonzaga's 26 points. But at the end of the day, Tennessee did this all without Josiah Jordan-James, and I think that was one of the most incredible parts. Obviously, we know that this was not a uh, right a regular season conference game or, or in the postseason or anything like that, but, man, if you didn't get a chance to watch this game, which was on pay-per-view, it was still a, a very competitive contest. These guys were going hard. Uh, they were talking smack on the court. So, again, for Tennessee to do all of this without their best defensive player and, uh, I, to me, one of the most important players on the team just in general because of everything he can do on the court, this was a... This was an eye-opening victory before the season starts, no doubt. It really was, and obviously it's not a regular season game, but I bet when you know Tennessee goes the first week of the season, next week they play uh, they play Tennessee Tech on Monday, then they play Colorado on Sunday, and Colorado's not supposed to be great. Tennessee goes 2-0 there, like I expect they will. I bet they'll see a bump in the rankings that's <laughs> a little more indicative of than just beating Colorado and Tennessee Tech, and I think this game will kind of come in uh, to – how people view Tennessee early in the season nationally. And uh, really, I mean, the first half, it was as high level of basketball as you'll watch. I mean, up and down the court, they win. It was 54-50 Gonzaga at the break. High, high high-level shot-making on both ends of the court. And defense wasn't great, but it wasn't just 
teams shooting wide open layups. And uh, both teams were shooting it quick. They didn't weren't getting bogged down in half-court sets. And in the second half, Tennessee kind of continued that, and Gonzaga missed a lot of shots, uh, a lot of shots around the basket. That they'll, you know, Rick Barnes said they're probably going to make a lot more of those shots around the rim uh, most games than they did. But Tennessee capitalized on that. Tennessee ran, ran away with it. And I think one thing uh, – just as a whole, you know, maybe not one player in the Tennessee's front court, not one of their big men, uh, just stuck out of playing phenomenal. But I thought Jonas Adu, I thought Euros Plasic, and then I thought uh, Olivier Camois all had nice games and all, especially offensively, looked about as good as you could expect. Jonas Adu shot a three about his first minute in the game, extremely comfortable yeah, or from the confident, top of the key. confidently, yeah, in transition, knocked it down. Uh, he ended up with nine points, I thought was really good, uh, protecting the rim. Euros, six of six from the field. Just telling Drew Timmy he couldn't guard him out there. I mean, it, he was it, he was Euros. He yeah. was Euros with a little bit better offense than we're used to seeing. And then Camwa, uh, you know, you and me, uh, you and you and I, uh, shout out Sally Shumpert. She'll appreciate that. Uh, okay. Uh, if uh, when we were uh, we're talking to him in media day and talked about you know how important after you missed the last month of the season, how important was it for you to go play with your international team and knock a lot of the rust off? And he was like, you can't you can't undersell. I mean, that was huge for me, and it was huge for me to play with basketball with grown men and learn more about basketball and he looked good especially offensively he had 11 points on seven shots so and 14 rebounds yeah I that's mean, what I was, was about to say 14 rebounds a be- absolute beast nobody on else the had more than four yeah he was an absolute beast on the board so all three of those guys those are going to be the main three guys Tennessee rolls on the interior I thought they all looked good they all looked improved uh from last year and then even Tobey Waka who got the, the freshman who got a little bit of minutes I'm not sure how big of a role he'll have It'll probably be kind of a guy that plays one of those guys are in foul trouble or if someone gets injured. Uh, but I thought he looked pretty good in his action too. Yeah, man, definitely some interesting pieces on this Tennessee basketball team. And there's a lot, lot, lot of time to talk about uh, this this Vol Hoops team more. So we'll kind of start to close it down right there. But absolutely, man, some some fascinating pieces on this team that will be fun to watch moving forward. Jemai Meshack getting a little bit more of a role with the team right now. Uh, Toby Awaka, uh, I thought, looked like a – uh, man, he looks like a tank on the court. He's right? the strongest guy on the Just, team, and he's uh, a true freshman. Yeah, that, and that's incredible. He looks like he looks like the last guy that I would want to fight on the team, and the first guy that I would want to bring with me if I was getting into a fight from the team. Yes, he's he's a really really smart guy, a really sharp guy. He's he's really bright uh, off the court, and it'll be really fascinating to see how he develops. And yeah, I mean, you hit. There's two more things I want to touch on. You hit on one of them, Jemai Meshack. He didn't have a great game. Uh, but he is a guy that I thought has looked better really throughout um, all of all of preseason. And Rick Barnes said uh, after the game he's the most improved player on this team, he thinks, from last year. And then the last thing I'd say is the Kai Ziegler, to me, has made another jump in the numbers. He didn't go for 20 points. He just had 13 points on 5 of 11, shooting 2 of 6 from 3. But what stands out in that stat sheet is 8 assists, only 1 turnover. Yeah. And he... For all the things he did really good last year, I wouldn't have said I wouldn't say he was a great passer. Now he wasn't a bad passer, but Kennedy Chandler was a much better passer than Ziegler was last year. I thought he looked really good passing the ball. And he just looks he looked a lot more comfortable at knowing how to play as a five nine point guard in college basketball. And last year, I mean he I go back to that Alabama game, which I believe was his first SEC game. Kennedy Chandler was out with I think COVID or, or something where he couldn't play. Ziegler could get by his guy every time. And he did it almost all last year. He could get by whoever's guarding him every time. But when he got in the paint with the help defense there, the big guys there, and it, he did, he wasn't polished on what to do every time. Yeah. He still scored. It wasn't like he was completely ineffective, but he wasn't great. 
and this is in the Gonzaga scrimmage. It goes back to the few times we've watched him practice. The time they, they had the open scrimmage today of the Alabama game. He just looks more comfortable when he gets past his guy of what to do, how to read the defense, how to get open shots for himself and teammates. So uh, he's a guy that I expect to really take uh, another jump this year. I mean, I think he only averaged maybe around, I don't have the stats in front of me, or less than three assists a game last year, I think. And more than anything, he was a point guard, he could handle the ball, but he was a spark plug and a scorer off the bench. I think yeah. you're going to see, and a really good defender, so I don't want to make it sound like he can only play offense. I think you're going to see a much more well-rounded point guard, Zakai Ziegler, this season. Yeah, the eight, they, the eight assists, it, I, I think, is really standout. I mean, very close to just kind of a casual triple-double, or excuse me, double-double in 31 minutes after he does score those 13 points. But, man, you know you got a pretty stacked uh, lineup when Zakai Ziegler is the last name that you talk about, and that also does not even include a conversation about freshman Julian Phillips, who knocks down all three of his threes. Let's go ahead and talk about him real quick. Yeah, I know. He, he was the almost exact same thing as the open scrimmage. First half did not look very good, especially in, this, in the exhibition game. It looked like he was pressing a little bit. He airballed a shot. He got two. He was very fortunate that they weren't playing with fouls out because he <laughs> picked up two dumb fouls in, in the yeah. uh, backcourt in the first three minutes of the game. Um, and then in the second half, they ran a play for him, got him off a curl route, got him about a 12-foot jump shot. He made it, and that just seemed to calm him down. And that was the same way he was in the exhibition. In the exhibition game, or not the exhibition game, the open scrimmage, scrimmage, he didn't score a single point in the first half, and he scored 17 points in the second half. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Tennessee is going to have, between him and if his defense continues to improve and kind of do some of it, I'm not saying be the defender to Josiah Jordan James's, but do some of the things he can do, be able to guard fours. Uh, The lineup possibilities and the versatility on this team is going to make – uh, life really fun for Rick Barnes, but also going to make him make uh, a lot of hard decisions about minutes and rotations because uh, he'll have a, a lot of options. Man, a lot of fun things coming up on the radar for Tennessee Athletics. Again, we got basketball season right around the corner, and we have number 2 Tennessee in the middle of their red-hot season right now with the game against Georgia coming up this weekend in Athens. Ryan, that's a lot, we, that's a lot to get into, but, man, I, I felt like uh, – Felt like we pretty much hit everything today. I got nothing more to get into, so let's go ahead and wrap this thing up and get out of here. Hey, by the way, if you're listening to the show right now, first off, thank you very much. We, we love having you a part of the show. We love having your support. Go ahead and subscribe to the RTI Press Pass wherever you're finding your podcasts already. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and a couple of others that are trickling around in there as well. Make sure to go and leave us a review and a five-star rating. Man, that is what we're looking for. That is what we want, and that is what we appreciate here at Rocky Top Insider. Otherwise, though, Let's go ahead and get out of here. We will be in Athens this weekend, so be sure to uh, watch out for that. If you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow myself, you can do that at rick underscore butler. But make sure you are following Rocky Top Insider at Rocky Top Insider on all different social media platforms. That is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And then also make sure you're going to check it out rockytopinsider.com. That is where Ryan and I are going to have you the best Tennessee news notes and coverage that we can possibly give you. But otherwise, man, we will see you back after the Georgia game for an instant reaction podcast. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and get out of here right now. Thanks so much for listening to the RTI Press Pass with Rick and Ryan.